0: Bibles, and let's turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, I preached a portion of a message on this passage a few months ago uh, here in uh, dealing with the idea of, uh, in Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 1, that we're to run a race and that Satan has a way of getting us or keeping us from running that race. And he gives uh, the counsel of the ungodly The way of sinners and the seat of the scornful. Those are the three things that Satan uses to get us to slow down from running the race. Eventually we begin to walk, and if we continue to listen to the counsel of the ungodly, then we begin to stand in the way of sinners. And before long, we just sit right down in the seat of the scornful. We're not going anywhere for the Lord. And uh, so we've got to be so careful of those things, and we've got to guard against them. But the message tonight is going to come from the same passage or the same um, chapter here, the same psalm. Uh, but it's a little bit of a different passage. And I want us to look at the contrast of the blessed man who uh, is uh, going to have some amazing things happen here in this chapter uh, versus the man who follows after the ungodly and the, uh, the uh, uh, sinner and the scorner. And I want us to look at those. We're going to read the first four verses and uh, beginning in verse number one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. If you have a pen, you ought to underline whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. What a tremendous promise that we have there in Scripture. I was listening to a preacher this week, and he said uh, he was uh, going along, and he was uh, reading a verse, and he mentioned to the folks, he said, "If you're in the habit of marking in your Bibles, he said, underline this. And after he paused for a moment let them have time to do that, he made this statement, and it struck me. I'm going to share it with you. He said, I mark in my Bible, and he said, I think you ought to mark in your Bible. But he said, more important than marking in our Bible is allowing our Bible to mark in us. And letting the Bible make its mark in our lives. And I thought, boy, that's good. Because a lot of times we underline things that seem important to us in Scripture. And then we go our way, as James says, and forget what manner of men we are. And uh, oh, that the Bible would mark us. And so uh, hopefully this will mark us tonight as we think of this. In verse number 4, the Bible says, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Father, we pray now that you'll bless and give Uh, over the next few moments, your wisdom and your guidance. Lord, I ask tonight that your Holy Spirit will work in our hearts to encourage us and to strengthen our faith and to draw our hearts closer to you. And so, Father, we do pray that you'll bless all that is said and done, control the things that are said, and may it bring honor and glory to your name In Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to look very quickly, if you will, at verse number 2. The Bible says that... This blessed man is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of the scornful. But the Bible says his delight, the thing that he loves, the thing that he cherishes, his delight is in the law of the Lord. In fact, he delights in the law of the Lord so much, the Bible says it this way, that he meditates therein day and night. Now, there are three things in the Christian's life that make up our, our Christian growth, if you will, or encourage Christian growth. And uh, I would hope and pray that there are uh, those of us here on Wednesday nights that have grown since the day we got saved. I would hope that there are none here tonight that are babes in Christ, that uh, the writer of Hebrews says there, were, uh, there was a time when he wanted to be able to teach them more. But they were in need themselves of being taught the first oracles again. They were uh, such as needed milk and could not handle the strong meat. And so hopefully tonight in our Christian lives we are concerned and we are praying that God will allow us to grow spiritually. I hope and pray that that's the desire in every Christian's heart is that tomorrow we will be closer to the Lord than we were today. And that we love him more tomorrow than we do today. And so we find here that the Bible says his delight is in the law of the Lord. This is what he loves. And he meditates therein day and night. We all think and know of the idea of reading our Bibles. It's important that we read Scripture on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, the little song we learned in Sunday school read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll what? Grow, grow, grow. And so we read our Bibles and we pray. we teach young people in our Sunday school classes. Young people, you need to read your Bible and you need to pray. And that's only two of the three things that the Bible teaches us result in spiritual growth. The third thing is in meditating on the things that we have read and on the things that God has laid on our hearts through the time we've spent in prayer. And it's not enough for us to have a time of devotion, but you and I need to have a life of devotion. We need to be not just having devotions, but we need to be devoted to God. And so it's important for you and I to understand that as we grow in the Christian life, as we wake up tomorrow morning or we go to bed tonight, that we pick up the Word of God and we read it for what what it has for us. And that we spend some time in prayer, time beyond the time that we spend around the dinner table or around the lunch table, and that we actually linger in the presence of God. I am so concerned in the day and age that we live and the world that we live. We live in such a helter-skelter world in a world that is constantly worried about multitasking and doing things faster and more efficiently. And if we're not careful, we will get that mindset in our Christian lives. We'll get to the place where we feel like, okay, I've got this time that I've been spending with God, but I can do other things while I'm doing that or I can get done a little bit sooner and I can get more accomplished today. May we not rush into and out of the presence of God. May God help us in those things, that we would take time to linger in the presence of God. And one of the ways we can do this is as we leave our place of prayer and as we leave our place of devotions, where we spend time reading and and drawing nigh to God, would be that we would take that truth with us throughout the day. Uh, How many of you tonight uh, could, uh, by raising of the hand, could say, you know, there's times where I hear a song and it sticks in my head. Anybody ever have that happen? Uh, And uh, it's amazing how music gets a hold of you. Uh, There have been times I've walked into a store and out of a store, and I come out humming a song, and I think, where in the world did I get that song from? And it was something they were playing over the PA system in the store. And there are times that uh, I'll leave church on a Sunday afternoon and all afternoon I got a song that Brother Ron led us in or some chorus that he's led us in because it it just triggers something in your mind and you just think of it over and over. Do you know that we ought to be doing that about the things that God shows us through His Word? That we meditate there in day and night. And I think one of the things that causes Christians to have stunted spiritual growth is, is that we do not meditate in the Word of God and on the Word of God and on the God of the Word throughout the day. As we go through our day and as we think on things and as we make decisions and as we try to bring our bodies, as Paul said, into subjection so that they can honor and glorify God, can we meditate on the truth that we have learned in Scripture and, and can we meditate on the God of the Word that has brought an encouraging word to our hearts and to our lives that morning? Several years ago, and I shared this I think a few weeks ago, I had a pastor friend that came by to visit just from out of the blue. He took me out to lunch, and one of the things he said was, uh, almost as soon as we sat down to eat, he said, Brother Greg, tell me what God's shown you from His Word lately. Now let me tell you something. If you're not reading the Bible and you're not meditating on the truth of the Bible, if all we're doing is checking off a Bible reading schedule and getting nothing from it, it's going to be very difficult if somebody in this church walked up to you and said, Brother or sister, tell me, what has God shown you from His Word recently? It would be kind of hard to do that. Some of us may be sitting here tonight saying, Boy, I hope He doesn't call on me from the pulpit. I'd have a hard time answering that. Or I hope somebody doesn't come up to me after the service and say, Brother, what's, what's God laid on your heart this week from reading His Word? Because it would be difficult for us to do that. Even if we've read His Word regularly, sometimes we rush in and out so quick we don't get what's, what's being said. And so I want to encourage us tonight to be meditating on the Word of God. Now, as we get to this, uh, these next few, few verses, I want you to realize the importance of this. Because the Bible says now, as we get to verse number 3, and he shall be like a, what's the next word there? He shall be like a tree. Did you know you're a Christian tree? You're just like a, a tree, the Bible says. In fact, in the book of uh, Jeremiah, chapter number 17, he also refers to us as a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. And by the the pools of water. And the Bible says here in verse number 3 that he shall be uh, like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Not might prosper, not maybe will prosper, but it shall prosper. Now that is the best guarantee you're ever going to have. It used to be uh, years ago when I was a kid... If something had a guarantee on it, and some of y'all can remember this, if it had a guarantee on it, that meant it wouldn't break. Nowadays, it just means they make it so cheap they can afford to replace it three or four times, and it doesn't matter anymore. And the guarantee really doesn't mean a whole lot. But when God says something, you can mark it down. It's as good a guarantee as you'll ever get, because it is a 100% ironclad guarantee. So this blessed man is a man that the Bible says, whatsoever he doeth, shall prosper uh my wife for years we would go to um or we would have a super bowl sunday would come up and publisher's clearing house you know the, the big giveaway at at, at halftime y'all remember those things i think they still do them don't they they still do that how many of y'all stay home for the super bowl no, i'm just kidding don't don't answer that you're in church amen and uh but uh she would, she would get the, the Saturday before, she would uh, clean the house for, for many years after we got married. And uh, she'd fix her hair up real nice. And I'd be like, honey, you're not going to get it. Well, just in case, I, I want to look presentable on TV. I want her house to be clean on TV. And she'd wash the front door window and because uh, she had gotten one of those flyers in the mail. You're one of five people, with a little asterisk beside it, that is guaranteed to be a winner. And uh, that guarantee would, did not hold water. But you can mark it down that when God says whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, he's telling the truth. It shall prosper. The blessed man. Now let's look at this thing of the blessed man. The Bible says he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. There's so much in this verse. I, I don't know if we'll have all time tonight to get it all done because i got 13 minutes and then some of y'all are going to start walking out to watch the ball game tonight. The Lord willing, and hopefully not. But the Bible says he shall be like a tree. And what's the word right after tree? Planted, right? He shall be as a tree planted by the rivers of water. Can I encourage you in something? Bloom where you're planted. You're not here by accident. And you're not in the circumstances of life that you're facing right now by accident. God, if you're a blessed man, if you're one of these folks that is not listening to the counsel of the ungodly, standing in the way of sinners, sitting in the seat of scornful, and delighting in the law of the Lord, if you're one of those people tonight, rest assured, God has planted you there. There's a small word inside the word planted that if you can remember this, it'll help us to understand what this means to be planted, and that is the word plan. God has a specific plan for your life. Years ago, my wife wanted us to have a flower bed out in front of our house. And we went out there and we went to uh, one of the home improvement stores and we bought some uh, flowers and some shrubs and different things. And we went out there and we spent the day weeding and getting it all tilled up. And then we walked around and before we dug holes to put the flowers in, we set the pots around. You all know what I'm talking about? We wanted to see how it looked before we put them in the ground. We wanted to make sure there was a plan and that it all fit together nicely. And can I tell you this, that the reason God has you where he has you is because he's fitting us all together. There is a plan of God for your life. And those that are those that are being the blessed person, according to this scripture, are those that will be as a tree planted. Now, I want you to notice where the tree is planted. The tree is planted by the rivers of what? Water. By the rivers of water. Now, what is water in a Christian's life? The things that sustain us, right? I mean, we can't live without water. It's our nourishment, isn't it? Now, we know from Scripture that uh, the Bible refers to His Word as water. In fact, the Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter number 5 that He cleanses the church by the washing of the Word or by the Word. The washing of water by the Word. And that's the phrase that is used there. That there is a water, there's a cleansing effect. Then the Bible speaks in John chapter number 4 that that there will be that if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. And so the water that is referred to here is the nourishment of the Christian life. The nourishment of the Christian life. What do we mean by nourishment? Well, it's our Bible reading, meditating in the Word of God day and night, and in prayer. That is our nourishment. That's our water. That's what causes us to grow. Now let's look at this tree for a moment because you and I are Christian trees. The tree uses its water in order of priority. If we have drought, it's very uh, rare that a tree would produce any fruit during a time of drought, isn't it? Probably not going to produce fruit. In fact, in the year of drought, it's probably not even going to grow very much. It might stay alive. Would you agree with me on that? The first priority that a tree will use its nourishment for is to simply stay alive. Just barely on life support. It may be in a dormant state. There's no growth. There's no fruit. There's just a stagnant tree sitting there getting barely enough trickle of nourishment to keep itself alive. And by the way, if you look around America today and the society that we live in, at how many people profess to know the Lord as their Savior, and yet how little power and moving of the Holy Spirit we have in our churches and in our country today. The great sweeping revivals are no longer here because we have a lot of Christians who are getting just a trickle of the nourishment that they need. They're barely staying alive. Now, if a tree has enough water or enough nourishment to stay alive and it has some extra, well, the next thing it's going to do is it's going to expand itself. It's going to grow. It's going to get bigger limbs, more leaves, deeper roots, bigger trunk because it knows what's coming next. It's getting ready to bear fruit, and the bigger it can be, the more fruit it can handle. And so it begins to grow, and it builds its stalk, and it builds its root system, and it goes deep into the water and begins to gain even more nourishment. And some Christians get to the point where they have enough nourishment to stay alive, and they may even have enough nourishment to grow, but there's not enough there for them to bear fruit. And boy, I've seen that in my life, haven't you? In fact, I'll tell you the truth. I've been there in my life. I've been to the place where I knew that there was no fruit being produced. Not enough nourishment. Not enough water of God's Word going into my life. Not enough water of my relationship with God and my walk with God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Not enough nourishment there. But then as we gain the nourishment and we have enough to stay alive spiritually, and we have enough to grow spiritually, then a wonder of wonders happens. God begins to produce fruit in us. It begins with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, and virtue. This fruit of the Spirit begins in us, and that is, by the way, that is, I believe, the first fruit that is born. There has to be first a, a, an inner change. The Bible speaks of the inner man being changed. And there has to be this new fruit that is born inside of us before it ever shows outwardly in fruit. And so we get this water and the fruit of the Spirit is not something that we try to achieve. And we try to hang it as a badge on our vest and say, okay, I got that characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit down. And I think I'll pick that one and I'll try to put it on me so it looks nice. It's not that, but the fruit of the Spirit is something that changes and transforms on the inside and cannot help but come out. And so we gain enough nourishment, we gain enough water to be able to do those things. And it begins to transform us on the inside and begins to come out. to Where when people walk around us and they're around us and talking with us, they say, there's somebody that walks with God. Not because they try to put on some kind of an outward vesture of this, but because there's something inside the Spirit that has changed them. Amen. And then the fruit that is born outwardly. My dad, years ago, uh, planted an a orange tree. He loved navel oranges. And uh, he bought one down at one of the hardware stores. And it was just a small little thing. And he fertilized it and put miracle Grow on it. And by the way, with rain and sunshine and God and miracle Grow, you can grow about anything. And uh, he would put that miracle grow on there and uh, he would uh, that tree, it, it grew a little bit and the branches went out a little bit. And he went out there during the harvest time or during the, the, the springtime when the, the buds were uh, budding and orange blossoms were blossoming. And boy, sure enough, there were four or five orange blossoms on that tree. And he watched it and he, he nurtured it and he fertilized it and he did everything he could to it. And uh, no fruit, no fruit. The next year, he just kept at it and kept at it. I mean, he would get on to me if I ever mowed the grass. Now, Greg, you stay away from that orange tree. Don't you get the weed eater too close, you know, because it'll nick the bark and it'll kill that orange tree. Don't you do that. And uh, so I had to be careful around it. And he would nurture that thing. And the next year, spring came and the the buds came. this time there were more buds on it. He was pretty excited about that. More orange blossoms, but no fruit. And the third year came and went. And I don't know how many years he continued to nurture that tree, but I do remember the last year. The last year that the tree was nurtured by my dad, my dad went out to him, uh, to the tree in, uh, in the fall, and he talked to the tree. Now, my dad was not crazy. Uh, he just was letting that tree know who was boss. And he told that tree. He spoke out loud to him. And said, he told that tree, he said, Now, if you don't bear any fruit this year, I'm going to cut you down. Amen. By the way, the Bible teaches that when we don't bear fruit, God has a tendency to prune. And we've got to be careful of those things, that we have enough nourishment to be producing fruit and doing something that's glorifying to God. And so uh, my dad uh, went out in the springtime, and sure enough, there were the orange blossoms. And that year, that tree produced one orange. My dad looked back on it, and he claimed it was because he talked to it. I don't know if it happened or not. I do know of a time when I was a kid that he talked to a Diefenbachia plant. Uh, my uncle, excuse me, talked to a Diefenbachia plant, really mean, told it, it was gonna, he was going to cut its roots. And he, he hated that tree, and he thought it was a horrible tree. And we woke up the next morning, and this is no lie, it had wilted completely over onto the ground. My uncle left it, perked right back up. So that's not part of the message. That is just uh, something to think about there. But uh, getting the nourishment. Getting the nourishment. Now, let's, let's wrap all this together for a minute. The person who's going to be the tree that's planted by the rivers of water. The person who gets the guarantee, the promise from God that says, Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Has to meet four requirements. What were they? They cannot walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You can't do it. If you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, you're not going to be the tree planted by the rivers of water. And you're not going to be the man who whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You cannot stand in the way of sinners. You can't do it. You cannot sit in the seat of the scornful. Most of us sitting here tonight could say, well, Brother Greg, I'm okay. I don't have a problem in those areas. And I would hope all of us could say that. But the fourth one is his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law doth he meditate day and what? Night. Night. That could be the shortfall in the Christian life. That we do not meditate day and night. That we do not delight ourselves in the Word of God. The contrast to that now is found in verse number 4. The ungodly, not the blessed man, but the ungodly man. They're not so. In other words, they're not going to have these promises that God has given. They're not going to be able to be a tree. They're not going to be able to have whatever they do prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the what? They're like the what? The chaff. The chaff. Some of you know what chaff is. How many of y'all know what chaff is? Some of you do. A lot of y'all are farmers. Brother Ray was out the other day telling us about a cultivator, old cultivator out there. He's, he's done a little farming. A few others of you around here have done some farming or been around some farming. He's heard, about it. he's heard about it. Yes. And boy, in the old days, they would take the wheat and they would lay it on the threshing floor after it had dried in the sun. And they would get an ox and the ox would tread on the wheat and it would break the husks and the the grains would fall down into a sieve and, and, and into a, a holding area, but a lot of the, the husks would fall down there with it. And they would take these big sheet-looking things that were made out of a stick, and they were in the shape of about a triangle roughly, and they were huge things. And on a day that had a pretty good breeze going, they would go in there and they would scoop off the threshing floor, and they would toss this stuff up into the air. And the idea was that the chaff was so lightweight and there was no substance to it that the chaff would just literally be blown away by the wind and all the grain that was heavier would fall back into the into this big uh, sieve, uh, sieve that they had that they would throw it up into the air. And there's going to come a day when God is going to try the works that we've done and some of it the Bible says is going to burn as wood, hay, and Stubble. Could we call it chaff tonight? Some of it's going to be grain. Some of it's going to be gold, precious precious stones. Gold, silver, and precious stones. Are we the ungodly or are we the blessed? Are we the tree or are we the chaff? The challenge tonight is for you and I to get a hold of this thing of walking in such a way in our Christian lives That we delight in the law of the Lord day and night. We meditate in it day and night. And we avoid the ungodly, the sinners, and the scorners. We don't have a part with them. We set them aside and we say, I'll do everything I can to reach them with the gospel, but I'm not going to partake of the things they're dealing with. I'm going to steady myself. I'm going to anchor myself in the Word of God. I'm going to anchor myself in my walk with Him. I'm going to ask God to empower me and strengthen me for the daily journey. I hope and pray that every morning when we get up, we love God a little bit more than we did the day before. I hope and pray every day we start the Christian life, we say, Lord, may I glorify You more today than I did yesterday. Have there been times in our lives where we felt closer to the Lord, where we were closer to the Lord than we are today? And the truth is, perhaps sometimes we get away from the things we should be doing. Can we get that spirit of revival again? Absolutely. We just begin to delight in the law of the Lord. To meditate on it day and night. To love the God of the Word. To do everything that we can to draw close to Him. God is so good. We sang it tonight. We had testimonies tonight of God's goodness to us. Can we not just give our lives to Him and say, Lord, we want you to have full and complete control. I like the way Pastor words it, that we don't surrender, we yield. We don't wait for him to push us through some things for us to say, whoa, whoa, I surrender, we yield before time. We say, Lord, I don't want to go through those things. I want you to have my life entirely now. Oh, that God would use us in that way. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the encouragement that it is. And as we've read tonight from Psalm 1 that, uh, Lord, you do have a plan. You've put us in a particular place for a particular purpose. And Lord, while we may not always understand why you put us in the places you put us or what purposes you have in mind, Lord, we can trust that you have a plan, Amen. that there is a reason. And Lord, I pray that you would help every one of us tonight to recommit to you before we ever even leave this place. That we would recommit to you that, Lord, we will delight in your law day and night. We'll love it. And we'll cherish it. Lord, that we would walk with You in such a way that our hearts would be inclined to You, that we'd be drawn closer to You. That Your Holy Spirit would do His transforming work in our hearts and our lives, that the fruit of the Spirit would be produced in us. And Father, that we would see a a church here at Keith Heights Baptist that is full of Christians who are so excited about God, who are so excited about sharing the, the gospel with those that have never heard, who are so excited about living the Christian life not ashamed of it, not, not leery of it, not, not depressed about it, but, Lord, rejoicing in it that we have the privilege to serve a holy God. And, Lord, we pray that You would bless our lives in the way that You have promised, that whatsoever we do would prosper. And, Lord, that You would have Your hand of goodness upon us, that You would have Your hand of prosperity upon us, not in a worldly or a human sense, but, Father, in a spiritual sense, that we would experience great spiritual growth, that we would experience the great power of God on our lives. And so, Father, we do pray that you'll bless the message tonight. May we take it with us as we leave here this evening. And, Lord, may it be an encouragement to the hearts of our folks. And as we go through this week, may we think often of it, as we think many times of the little song that we hear. As it comes to mind, I pray that you'll bring these truths to mind. Lord, may we nourish ourselves in the water of your word. Dismiss us now with your blessings, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.